Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. there welcome to the show my name is andy last and you are listening to beyond synth episode 40 today on the show i got von herzog coming up we're gonna have a chat later in the program how are you guys today having a good day hope you enjoyed uh, last week's episode with damon hatfield and if you didn't listen to it go listen to it man but not right now if this is the live broadcast you should listen to this now all right well uh let's do some business you know that's always my favorite part of every show beyond synth is on 8 p.m eastern on thursdays on power 85 that's power 85.com all right power 85 playing cool music 24 hours a day and sometimes it stops to play this shitty show which is called beyond synth and then when beyond synth is not on it's just playing music again until friday when project friday comes on another show you should listen to also uh beyond synth is replayed on saturdays at 1 p.m eastern um i don't think anyone tunes into that one but it's sort of there for the the european listeners because i know 8 p.m eastern is late for you in england it's like one in the morning and you should be in bed sleeping getting ready for work Follow me on Twitter, man. I am at Andy Last on Twitter. And the Facebook page, that's that's a good one. That's facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. That's where we post all the shows once they go online. Technically, we post them on SoundCloud. And then I post the link on the Facebook page. And that's soundcloud.com slash beyondsynth. Um, so if you're listening on Power 85, which is what's happening right now, that's the live... I, <laughs> I got to find a better word. Uh, that's when we broadcast the show. And it's a lot of fun if you join us in the chat room. Um, that's on Mixler. So if you go to power85.com at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays, this show is playing and then there's a chat going. And you can talk with the other two fans of Beyond Synth who will be listening at the same time. And I will try my best to always make sure I'm in that chat during that time. I'm not sure how well I'm going to be able to make the 1 o'clock show on Saturday, but um, I still recommend that if you can't catch it on Thursday, catch it on Saturday because it won't get posted to SoundCloud until Tuesday. This is the stupidest... <laughs> is this interesting to anybody? Let's uh, let's start off with some music, and then we'll come back in a sec. Uh, this is a track called G3000 by a dude called Floyd Shavius. Off the album Darker Things.
And that was G3000 by Floyd Shavius. I don't really know too much about Floyd Shavius. I think it's a guy called Floyd. Which is not a very common name. I don't I don't really uh I don't really meet people named Floyd very often. I know that it is a name and that it rhymes with Lloyd. Um listen, if you have any uh feedback, comments, questions, please write to uh facebook.com slash beyond dot sithbot fuck me, the Facebook page. Right <laughs> go to the Facebook page and uh and if you send uh, a message to the Facebook page, title it mail sack. As in a sack of mail. Okay, questions, comments, doesn't have to be synth-related. Can be anything. And uh, we'll be doing a mail sack episode uh, some point in the future. I'm just sort of compiling them all. And uh, I'll do that with a guest, and then we'll just go through the mailbag. And that will be a fun thing. So that is mail sack. As in a sack of mail. Facebook.com slash beyondonsith.com I can't even... <laughs> That's the second time. <laughs> Trying to get better at talking quickly, and I'm not uh, good at it. What else, man? Power85.com. Follow Power85 on Twitter, please. Um, that's the Twitter account for Power85. You can check out what song they're playing if you're not tuned in. And um, yeah, that's at Power85 Radio on Twitter. And uh, if you want to hear your tracks on the show, you can uh, you can always reach out to me again on the Facebook page or the SoundCloud. Um, send me a message there. And uh, if you do send me stuff, just make sure you're making it clear that you're giving me permission to play the tracks. It's important to me to have the artist's permission. That is my due diligence, which I don't think I mentioned in last episode. And I talked about how how much I love due diligence, and I forgot to mention it. Anyways, uh, here's a cool track by an outfit called My Roan. This is a song called The Pump Master. I know that there's other tracks that people really love of my own's, and uh, I love them all too, but uh, The Pump Master is the one that I... is my favorite. So let's listen to that track now. This is The Pump Master.
that was the Pump Master by Myrone. And I just like saying all of those words because they sound nice. So, how's everybody today? I got Von Herzog coming up later on in the show. Conversation gets a little serious at times. So there's some uh, some talk about death and stuff, and uh, I think even 9-11 came. <laughs> so it's a, another hilarious episode of Beyond Synth. <laughs> So that's a little warning for you there. Sometimes Beyond Synth is all light and fluffy, and sometimes it, uh, you know, it goes where it goes, man. That's the point. It goes where it goes. You know, Beyond Synth is on Power 85 Radio. Did I already say that? Hey, let's, uh, what do you want to talk about? <sighs> okay, I, uh, <laughs> my brain. I sometimes, you know, you'll sit in front of the mic and some days I just have uh, a lot to go on and some days I can't think of anything. So here's what I'm going to do. Because I can't think of what the hell to say. I am going to call someone on my Skype list right now. So let's give, who should I call? Let's give Marco Merrick a call. You know Marco, he hosts Synthetic Sundays. Technically competition, but uh, we won't worry about that. Anyways, let's give him a call, see what he's up to. Hello. Hey, Marco, how's it going? Oh, hey, Andy, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How's yourself, buddy? <laughs> Great. <laughs> See how natural this is? I fancy that. I had just a phone call out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it going, dude? How's Australia today? Uh, good, good. Uh, it's very warm here. Uh, every, everything's great. I'm just getting over the flu, actually. So I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. How long were you out for? Uh, a few days. I was in bed for a few days. Yeah. Had to cancel the Halloween special. Wasn't too happy about that. Did you have, uh, <laughs> do you have a television in your bedroom? No, I don't really watch TV. I mean, it's all on the computer now. I've got a laptop, so I just put on, you know, Netflix, usually Netflix or YouTube. Yeah. What have you been watching on Netflix? Mostly documentaries, World War Two. Got a thing for Nazi Germany. I don't know. I find that shit fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Netflix, I watched Cocaine Cowboys uh, earlier today. It's really good. I really, really, yeah, really find that. My, Miami in the late 70s and the 80s, very fascinating time. My fucking Netflix queue now, like, all I do on Netflix is I just add things to my list. But you never watch anything. That I don't watch. Yeah, so it's just it's just <laughs> me going through my list and new stuff pops in. And by the time more new stuff pops in, they've probably taken those old things off. And I never noticed because I never even watched them. I should say... For my listeners right now, Marco is the host of Synthetic Sundays. Yay! <laughs> Technically competition, but that doesn't matter because we're all we're all pals, and that's on Sunday, so it's not really competition. But it's a well, it never used to be that much competition, but now that your show is starting to sound more like mine, it's yeah. kind of it is kind of competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. That's what I was saying because uh, you know, all uh, the the more changes I make to the show, the more it's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm doing Marco's show. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> but with a little no, twist, because I don't have an Australian accent, but I could try and learn one. No, I could never be competitive with you, Andy. Um, 
No, no. I, I mean, like I, when I first started doing the show, I think it was you were the first person I approached with some uh, advice on how to do things, and surprisingly, you were really helpful. You weren't a jerk at all. I sort of thought, oh yeah, he's probably just going to ignore me. You know, who's this guy? But no, you were super nice. Uh, you really gave me some great advice. So uh, I nah. wish I, I wish I was like 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 a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to have that. You know, like there's these people who are like too cool for school, and they they go around, and sometimes I envy them. Just like, oh, how cool is that guy? People are messaging them, and they're just not responding. Like that dude just looks at his phone, and like, yeah, look at all my messages. You know, like I want to be that guy. Said I fucking the second I get a message from anybody, even though I don't even know them, I'm instantly like, oh hey, how's it going? <laughs> be, be my friend. <laughs> well, I try to be super nice. I mean, I'm naturally nice anyway, but it's sometimes you just. I, I miss out on messages. Like your message about the pork, so- the kangaroo pork sausage that you ate. <laughs> I like replied to it six months later and you're like, dude, I sent that like eight months ago. Well, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I just completely missed it. I, I'm sorry, you know, but I do. One of my things is if I'm bored, I will just mm-hmm. send random messages to people in my friends list. But that was hilarious. And they won't, they're not necessarily like conversation starters. Like, hey, how's it going? I'll just say a word. Or a combination of words, and then they they respond, and sometimes it turns into a conversation, and sometimes it's a. Anyway, hey man, let's let's listen to a track. All right, Uh, we're gonna listen to a track by Moon Dragon. This is uh, Man and Machine. Nice.
And that was Moon Dragon with Man and Machine off the album Man and Machine, which makes that <laughs> makes that the titular track, the titular Man and Machine track. And that song's cool. Moon Dragon's cool. Uh, he likes uh, jets. Does he? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's the album artwork. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's big into those planes, like the whole Top Gun thing. I think that's his aesthetic. No, oh, I love Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find, though, uh, on Netflix, going back to that and, and with documentaries and stuff, I think people think that documentaries are automatically good just because they're true. Right. And I've seen some bad ones. You know what oh, I mean? It's terrible. It's terrible. And the ones where they reenact a lot of shit, you know, and the terrible acting, you're going, what? Don't even do it. Like, just it'd be better off without any any of that, you know? Well, it's funny because I think people want to make their documentaries more interesting and they think it's boring just to have like a talking head, you know, just some dude talking. But <laughs> but if I'm, if I'm interested in the subject matter, I will be interested by somebody talking. Yes. But I find I've seen so many documentaries where they try and spice it up with like shitty animation. Yeah. Or um, weird choices of, of uh, like, I, mean, I think they took the Elmo one down once, it, you know, what, what happened with Elmo. But um, <laughs> I remember I watched that one. Well, technically it wasn't Elmo, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I watched that documentary and I remember they, um, they would use, you know, like most documentaries do, someone's talking and they want to break up the talking by showing still images that you know if, if someone says oh that was back in the college days and it'll show a picture of them in college it makes sense and then sometimes documentaries will use these ch- cheap animation or still images to sort of uh, 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 tell the story and uh, the dude who played elmo was talking about when he met jim henson and he's like and then it was a big deal for him he met he was meeting his idol jim henson you know and so he yeah. goes he said he had to go to the bathroom and splash water on his face to sort of calm down that this was about to happen and he's telling the story and then all of a sudden they show a pause picture of a sink <laughs> and then they start animating like and then with like water coming out of it and you hear the sound of the faucet <laughs> because he was talking that he had to go to the bathroom and splash and i'm i'm just i'll watch this uh. and just say why are you reenacting the like a sink with water rushing like i understand what that is like (laughs) unless they had to make like 50 edits while the guy was talking and so they needed to put something over the image but the idea that like the director of that documentary sat down and said you know when he talks about a sink let's let's show a picture of a sink and let's hear running (laughs) water because that needs to be fucking explained to people like everybody knows what a sink is like it's just Ah, so strange. So, I've seen so unnecessary. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's my favorite thing. So there's some documentaries that will just do these these decisions that are like, what is this? Or cheap animation's a big one. Yeah. I've seen a lot that use really like low budget animation, and it, at sometimes I'm just like, dude, just don't have this because it's it just it just lowers the production value. Like, and it's totally unnecessary. Like, so you've got three guys and they're walking to the store and they're paying five dollars for their milk, and then you'll see like a stick man buying milk and like. Yeah, I understand what the man's saying. Like, it's like I'm a child all of a sudden. <laughs> I always put something on when I go to sleep. I need noise when I sleep. So I'll just put something on and I'll fall asleep to it. But uh, podcasts, I, I love listening to podcasts. This podcasts about everything. Anything that you could possibly be into these days is a podcast about it. It's mm-hmm. quite amazing. Yeah, I'm big into, for me, it's comedy podcasts. Ah. That's what I listen to the most is comedy. I don't really do too much information. 
Yeah. But uh, I probably should. <laughs> so <laughs> if I'm spending all that time listening to people playing dumb characters when I could be learning something, maybe that's probably a better idea. Well, I'm pretty dumb naturally, so I, I think, you know, I, I guess <laughs> my mentality is if I'm listening to a science podcast while I'm actually sleeping, I might absorb a little bit of it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> might make me a little bit smarter. It hasn't really worked yet. But. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, man. Let's listen to another track. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do you like my segues? I love it. I love it. It sounds so awkward. (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, is one of your favorite dudes. You've had him on your show several times. This is Python Blue. Mm -hmm. And this is a track called Cold Wars. Off the album A Dark Future. Thank you. 
And that was Python Blue with Cold Wars. And I'm here with Marco Merrick, which is completely unrelated, but uh, he's with me now, <laughs> the host of Synthetic Sundays, Synthwave podcast on Sundays, oftentimes like six hours long. Sometimes even more. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That's a- <laughs> yeah, I got issues. I got real issues. <laughs> See, if I were you, if I get too much content, I just wouldn't put it in the show. And the same show, you know, like I would just say, I, if I talk to two people, I'm like, oh, that went for like two hours. Like, uh, I'll put that on next week. Nah. But I feel like you just you just jam pack every every week with so much uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some weeks, <laughs> well, some weeks I've got four interviews. I mean, you just get a backlog, and it's like, well, I just have to because next week I've got to have next week off, and then I've got. You know, the next two months I've got booked in with interviews, so I've got to get through this log jam here. So I just have four interviews and then two guests and yeah, yeah. anyway, it gets, gets really carried away sometimes. I want to learn how to do an Australian accent. No, don't even try, please. Don't even try. Okay. Say, um, what? uh, let's see. <laughs> What's a sentence? I, I just want to hear a sentence. Say, uh, uh, uh I don't know. Put a shrimp on the barbie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love I love how we can like just impromptu shoot the shit. But the second, yeah, (laughs) I say say a sentence. All of a sudden, a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) A sentence. It's so funny, I know. (laughs) It can't be that difficult, can it? (laughs) Um, I don't know. Uh. I don't know. Let's go down to let's go down to the shop. Let's go down to the shop. No, uh, that's not bad. That's pretty I, good. I don't know, like that, like I don't know. No, that's, uh, not, that's, that's gonna, too much. That sounds know. like hoo ha when he's trying to do an Australian accent. Well, he's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, like that. That's pretty good. I don't that's know. Good. Uh, kangaroo. What what do you guys say down there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know, kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, that's what we say. What about we'll try it? What about I don't know, mate. I don't know, mate. So how do you say say mate? Mate, mate, mate. Not bad. I don't know, mate. I don't know, mate. This is a terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I'm not a very interesting person. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I want to learn. I was trying to do Edwards the other day, and I, I don't know. I got I to gotta figure it out. No, oh, it's, it's, it's just different dynamics. Different people are different. I know. What about... Uh, all right. about this then? You know how I actually got onto Netflix was when I stayed at uh, Silent Gloves House uh, when I was lucky enough to be holidaying there, and I was on this awesome show, uh, Project Friday, and I crashed at his place, and I was like... He sort of said, do you want TV on? Do you want... You know? I was like, yeah, I need to sleep with TV. Otherwise, I can't sleep. And... Um, so you put it on Netflix. There's this Netflix. Pick whatever the fuck you want. And I'm just like looking through it going, wow, this is really cool. And I'd seen that he'd, he'd watched Star Trek Next Generation recently because, you know, it comes up. So I clicked on that and I started watching. I was like, man, this, this, is, uh, this is cool. So that's really what got me into it. <laughs> was, uh, was Steve Gilson who uh, hosts Project Friday. That's right. That's right. See, it all ties <laughs> together. I'm going to, uh, you're, you're going to stick around, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to go now to my chat with, uh, Von Herzog. Okay. Cause I had him, uh, on the show and we're going so to, you're going to put me on hold. You're going to put me on hold. Is yeah, that what you're so saying? You're, you're going to sit there and, uh, <laughs> and you're going to listen to my chat with Von Herzog. When I'm done with that, we'll, uh, we'll come back and we'll have more Marco Merrick afterwards. But now here is Von Herzog. Von Herzog. 
Am I recording two channels of audio? Yes, I am. Am I going to peek if I laugh? <laughs> Alright, looks fine. That's my real laugh. I'm aware. <laughs> By the way, my wife loves your laugh. Because <laughs> we work together, so I'll, a lot of the time, you know, I'll be listening to the show as I'm working, and whenever you get a good giggle on, it's infectious. She starts laughing. That's cute. What do you mean you, you work with your wife? We work out of the house. We run a small boutique web design, web production ad agency kind of deal. Okay. We just turned September 26th. Our company turned 10 years old. Ooh. So, yeah, we've been around for a minute. Wait, are you old? <laughs> I'm I'm old enough. I mean, are we the same age? Are you older than me or younger than me? I don't, how old are you? I am. will be 34 shortly. Okay, I'm slightly, I'm 36. Okay, all right, that's fine. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, if someone says they've had a business for 10 years, yeah. since my life isn't even together yet. <laughs> so uh, It takes time. Yeah, so I'm thinking like, oh, fuck, that guy must be 50. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, boy. You don't sound 50, but. Thanks. <laughs> Anyways, man. All right, so I am here. <laughs> this is a terrible uh, preamble. Uh, I am here with Von Herzog, a.k.a. Kent Herzog from Philadelphia. Hi, guys. How's it going, man? It's going. Feels good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. We've been uh, chatting back and forth for a while. Well, I just discovered Synthwave in like this year. So like first quarter of this year, I found it like February or so. And I was like, what? This is a thing? (laughs) I want in. Well, talk to me about that then, because although that's what you're uh, doing now and definitely like what your last album was I remember uh, we were talking before you mentioned you had sort of hip hop roots? Yeah, I started. Okay, so I'm old. I'm 36. Uh, <laughs> old for a producer, I guess, right? Uh, sure. But in the 90s, I was a hip hop DJ, like with vinyl and you know Techniques 1200s, the whole kit and caboodle. I moved to Philly in '99 to go to art school. It was awesome because it completely opened it up. I grew up like near Reading, Pennsylvania, like from if you've ever played Monopoly and who hasn't the Reading Railroad. What's up? That's oh, us. fuck this. OK, well, I'll tell you a little story about that. But this whole time in my life, I refer to that as Reading Railroad. Everyone has. OK. Yeah, that's where the rainbow ended, right? <laughs> so I moved to Philly and actually moved down there with some friends. I met my eventual wife there and philly has always been great to me so i love it it's a nice little place we just had the pope (laughs) what's up well that's cool man so how exactly did the art school lead to the hip-hop well no the the hip-hop was you know since i was a young teenager and i just i moved to philly for school so uh, I eventually I graduated on time 2001. I so I graduated ten days after September 11th happened, mm. and I remember waking up that morning because uh, I had to go into school to meet some other people in my group to do uh, like a dry run of a presentation we had to do. So I wake up early because class wasn't till one, and. It's like 8.30 a.m. I I turn the TV on and it's like cropped in real tight of like smoke coming out of the window. The first plane had just hit. You know, they pull out and I was like, oh, shit. 
because my wife is originally from New York, so I woke her up. I was like, yo, a plane hit the World Trade Center. It's crazy. And then as we were watching, the second plane hit, and I was like, oh, shit. And then they were like, and there's still a plane missing somewhere in Pennsylvania. And I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia, which is literally across the street from the tallest building in the city at that time. Right. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to school. Like, (laughs) there's a plane missing still. Yeah, that was an intense day. Yeah, it was kind of brutal. Um, So did you get like an instant, like they just pass you on that assignment? No, we just had to come in another day and do it. Well, my school like shut down. They were like, no, everyone stay home. My wife was going to the University of the Arts on South Broad Street, and they were like, nah, guys, come in. We still have school. <laughs> I was like, no, don't go to school. <laughs> so then what was going on during that time? So you... Uh, I was DJing, and uh, I had started getting into production in, like, 2001, and then... So I graduated September 21st, 2001, and then I had found a job because the whole economy crashed, too. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, worst time ever to find a job. But I ended up getting a job by November, and then I I went out and I bought a microphone. And I was like, I'm just going to record dudes at the apartment, you know? I'll turn it in a little studio, and I did that for a while, and we recorded some, you know, s- stuff that sold some copies, actually, out, out of my apartment, and... As time went on, you know, like I got a Yamaha Motif keyboard, which was awesome. Um, And I was able to do all the sequencing inside and I got to, you know, make new music that I wasn't, I, you know, I didn't have access to those sounds before. I started doing hip hop beats in Fruity Loops 3. You know, I was in college. I didn't have money, so I couldn't afford hardware. You know, I had friends who had like NPCs, you know, I didn't. So I I used Fruity Loops and that worked for me. And then the keyboard made a big change. And then I ended up in 2003, I moved to New York for a year. One of the things I had recorded out of the apartment was for a hip hop guy who was actually signed to like Violator Records. Violator Records is like LL Cool J, Buster Rhymes, Mob Deep. Lots of big artists were on it. And, you know, he was a smaller guy. He was on some of the compilations and stuff. And then his manager was opening a studio in New York City, like right above Times Square. It was at like 51st and Broadway. And he was like, hey, do you want to engineer? Of course. You know, once in a lifetime experience. I'll give it a shot. So uh, and my my wife was from up there originally and her family still lived up there. So, you know, we had some sort of support structure in the sense that we knew people (laughs) and um I did that for a little bit, but the studio life in New York was rough. You know, there's a lot of competition and artists are flaky. They just are. If I had a session scheduled for like 8 p.m. or whatever and they cancel, guess what? I'm not getting paid. Right. You know, they're like, all right, go home. Well, all right, but what am I supposed to do when I have to pay rent? So I went back. What I went to art school for was learning how to do you know it was multimedia at the time i made cd-roms and websites (laughs) then i decided like all right the studio shit is a little not really paying the bills so i went back to the web thing and then we moved back to philly december 04 well what we'll do is we'll listen to a track 
Sure. All right, so we're going to listen to a track um, off your album, Sincerely Yours, called Pyramids, which is a cool song. Thank you. And then when we, uh, when we come back from that, maybe we can talk a bit about sort of the, the transition to the, uh, to the synthwave kind of sound. Sure.
right, and that was Pyramids uh, by Von Herzog. Uh, it's a cool song. I'm continuing my conversation with him right now. It was a really awkward segue, but uh, so you were just talking about how you were doing like engineering and stuff like that for sort of hip hop stuff, and then obviously there's this transition that happened. So uh, talk to me about that. When I got the Yamaha Motif keyboard and I was able to get like you know cool synth sounds and whatnot like here's the deal you know i was born in 79 i got to middle school in 1990 so everything up until middle school was the 80s for me and it was fantastic you know some of my best childhood memories are from then so i always had a love for those sounds you know i always loved depeche mode and duran duran and human league howard jones new order you know synthy goodness and there were some of those sounds in there so every now and then i'd try and incorporate some of that stuff into hip-hop stuff and some artists were more willing to accept something that wasn't you know being done uh and others didn't want any part of it so wait so explain to me because i don't fully know what an engineer does an engineer or a producer? Well, when you're saying what you were trying to do, like to infuse some of these sounds into those things and the artists maybe weren't going for it, like that meant you had control over like what the actual backing track was? Yeah, yeah. I was making the backing track. That was me like with my producer hat on. My engineer hat was like working in a studio for someone else on, you know, that kind of deal. Right. When I worked with artists directly, you know, I was wearing my producer hat and being like, all right, guy, let's make a song. How are we going to do it? Some people were into, you know, more 80s stuff. Other people weren't. You know, I set my studio up in my house. I finally had space. I just started making music for myself to see what I could come up with and where it would go, you know? Because I had friends who were DJs and had connections to where I could get music played in different venues and stuff and see how it went. So I started experimenting with my own sound. And I'd say... Late 2009, I was like, yo, I'm going to make 80s music because all of the gear still exists. You know, it's like instead of just taking a touch of 80s music, why not make full on 80s music? So I did like two or three songs like that and I showed them to some of my DJ friends and they were like, yeah, it's cool, but it really sounds dated. I was like, yeah, that's kind of my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to make 80s sounding music. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, well, I once heard a song and I picked up an influence, you know. So that didn't go over too well with the people that I was trying to get the music off to because they, they weren't hearing it, you know. <laughs> so um, I was like, all right, whatever. And then I was doing remixes of stuff. And so I'd say around like 2011, 2012, I did like a Britney Spears remix that was all like old school freestyle music. Because when I heard her version of the song, I was like, man, her vocals sound like that should be on a freestyle track. Like it just reminded me of that, you know, take me in your You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Little Susie here. (laughs) You know, expose, all that, you know, 90s Spanish freestyle stuff. Um, so I did a remix for that, and then I did a Rihanna song, a remix. I used, like, a Lindrum kick set and whatnot, and uh, I called it the Zamunda remix because I took quotes and, like, stuff from Coming to America, <laughs> and uh, that was fun. But again, like, you know... People appreciate it, but to a certain degree, it was still that kind of like, oh, that's kind of nostalgic, and I like coming to America, but I still didn't know what I was doing. 
I, I was trying to find a way. So then in the end of 2012, like actually the Sunday after Thanksgiving 2012, uh, I was over at my parents' house. It was a Sunday night and, you know, my sister was getting ready to go back on Monday morning. So, you know, it was like the last night at the house and we were just hanging out and the phone rang. My dad answered it. It was my sister's boyfriend. He gives her the phone, walks back the hallway. I'm just sitting on the couch and we just heard like a thud. And we're like, what was that? So my sister goes back the hallway and like screams and my dad's laying on the floor face down. So I jumped up and we went back and we rolled him over and it looked like he was seizing or something. So I put my wallet in his mouth because he was biting into his tongue. I, I realize this is like a heavy moment, but like the <laughs> the idea to put the wallet in the mouth, I got from an episode of Different Strokes. <laughs> I just remember in an episode, this chick was having a seizure. Oh, put your wallet in her mouth. She won't bite through her tongue. I was like, all right. Thanks, Willis. So when it happened with my dad, I did it. It worked. And then they took him to the hospital and he had a brain aneurysm that burst. No one knew it was there. You know, no doctors knew about it or anything. And they airlifted him from Reading Hospital to Jefferson in Philly. He made it through. He he started getting better. And then they sent him to a rehab back in Reading on new year's eve everyone was so happy like he was starting to get better and we were starting the new year at rehab so we had like really really high hopes and he was supposed to come home like the third week in january but he kind of developed a rash from some of the medication he was on he was home two and a half days and he had a watershed stroke which ended up leaving him pretty much like in a coma Hmm. um and they took him back to Jefferson and he was there for another 10 days until he passed and that was and still is like every day I think about it and how much I miss him and and whatnot and I've learned like you can't dwell nothing will change it it's over you can break up with a girlfriend or you know crash your car and get it fixed but there's death is final man there's there's no coming back so Luckily, I had a very understanding wife uh, who let me just kind of disappear into my studio and I worked it out musically. And again, this was pre-Synthwave stuff. So it was just me in my room with a bunch of gear and I decided to just start making songs for the sake of like processing things. Right. In the first few weeks... I'd say like three weeks in, I had like 20 songs and I was like, I should come up with like some way to honor my dad. So I decided, Hey, I'm going to do an album and I named it dearly departed. And I took on this Von Herzog persona to, to kind of like distance myself from, you know, anything else I had done musically in the past because it was a very personal thing. And I, finished the album and decided like I whittled it down to like my 12 favorite songs and that was that and then we did CD and vinyl for it and USB drives with the album on and I actually did a Kickstarter for um, like the media costs and that worked for me you know I, I was able to get everything pressed up and shipped out it's awesome to me because 
I've shipped them all over the world. You know, they're in five continents, I think. And it's crazy to me to think that, you know, the album cover is a picture of my dad, like kind of walking into the woods. And it's absolutely bonkers to me to think that my dad's photo is like in all these different places now. You know, yeah, pl- yeah, places yeah. it never would have been without music. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, and I think what's what's interesting, uh, or the interesting thing is, you know, you uh, you escape into writing music, you know, to go through the grieving process and to sort of feel these emotions. But, you know, the album itself, it's not necessarily uh, an emotional album of, you know, sad songs. I mean, there's like a real energy to, to some of these tracks, uh, including uh, my favorite track, which was uh, one called Siren. So let's, let's listen to that track now, and then, and then we'll be back with, uh, with more Von Herzog. This is, this is Siren.
And that was Siren by Von Herzog. Uh, and we are continuing our conversation. So when you released that album, uh, Dearly Departed, what's, what happened next? I don't know. I was emotionally drained, you know, music-wise. I, I, there was nothing left in the tank. So I waited. And then I found Synthwave by mistake. I use Google Music like Google Play Music, you know, you pay 10 bucks a month and you can listen to anything, you know, instead of Spotify or whatever. And I like Google Music because you can upload your whole personal library to it up to 50,000 songs for free. So I was using it anyhow to listen to my own library from the cloud. And then for 10 bucks, I was like, I can get all this new music. So I was listening to, you know, Kavinsky's Outrun and it started suggesting other artists down below. And it suggested like Mega Drive and Miami Nights 1984 and Laserhawk. And I was like, what? Who are these guys? Like, yeah. this, this is awesome. <laughs> and well, and you know, I'd seen the movie Drive and I'd heard of college. And, you know, I was like, wow, this stuff's awesome. These guys are doing what I thought of doing a while ago. And, you know, obviously they have some level of success with it. So this is where my heart's been. Maybe I should figure it out. And then honestly, that's where I discovered your podcast. And that helped me dive much deeper into the scene and get to hear from the artist too, which was fantastic. You know, I got to figure out who people were, what made them tick and discover new music that way. And then it just snowballed. And I decided in March of this year, like, yo, I'm going to make an album and it just came so fast. So, you know, I did it. And I did more songs than what finally made the cut. But I I only wanted to take songs I really liked. You know, every now and then you make a song and you're like, blah. So sweep those under the rug and keep what you want. And uh, that, was, that turned into Sincerely Yours. Well, having touched on... The death of a parent on 9-11. I'm going to say this is probably going to be the uh, the most somber episode of Beyond Synth. I should, Sorry, uh, guys. I should change the <laughs> I should change the opening music title theme. It'll be like a soft piano version. Do you just want to like reboot? We'll start and we'll only talk about happy shit. <laughs> no, I mean it's good. This stuff's good. It's just it's funny because like, <laughs> no, I get it. I'm bringing down everybody's day. Listen, guys, <laughs> when you're done, put my album on. Yeah, it'll make you smile. Well, see, because I'm trying to find a nice way to segue into the next track I wanted to mention. Dude, there's no nice way. Just but rip, it's hard rip the because, Band-Aid off. <laughs> because the, the track is called Jet Ski Joyride. Yep. And as I'm listening to your story, I'm like, how the hell can I say the words Jet Ski Joyride at any point in this conversation? So, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. You did it. It's working. Let's listen. Well, let's listen to this track. It's a cool track. It's called Jet Ski Joyride. And when we come back, we'll... Uh, will like reboot in happy mode but it's not to say i mean this stuff is it's good because you know a lot of people listen and it's it's always good when you hear what other people uh you know have gone through and stuff like that i mean it's uh it doesn't always have to be um light and fluffy well you know that's the whole thing like i love synthwave because it gives you like that 80s nostalgia and nostalgia is always happy no one ever wants to remember how shitty they felt you know what i mean you listen to Synthwave because it gives you that feeling of like, oh man, you know, uh, I feel like I'm watching a VHS tape laying on my parents' living room floor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's what's so great about it. But not all of it's happy, which like my whole thing with Synthwave is this. 
it is a whole lot of palm trees and sunsets. And I'm an East Coast guy. You know, New York, Philly, we're gritty cities. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't have palm trees. Think about 80s in a big city. Crack was just introduced. Those were not fun times. So (laughs) every now and then you need a dark record to remind you that the 80s weren't all happy. But at the same time, Jet Ski Joyride should be your palate cleanser then. was Jet Ski Joyride by Von Herzog, who I am still talking with. What? what? Uh, how's it going? It's going. 
So let's let's now elevate ourselves from from all of this heavy stuff, important stuff, but heavy stuff. Uh, you've been part of uh, some compilations, and uh, one of them was the Synth Fighters uh, compilation that was all uh, uh, covers of uh, of uh, Street Fighter tracks. Yep, Thirtieth Floor Records put that out, and uh, and you did the Dalsam theme. So how was how was that? How difficult was that theme to uh, to cover? It was hard. Um, the original version was a bit of a train wreck. Uh, it was the kind of deal where Mike George runs that label and I was, you know, just chatting with him on Facebook and he was like, dude, you should totally come and do a, a track for this. And I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. Who's left? <laughs> and they were horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shockingly, no one took Dalsam. And I figured I can do something. So let's let's do it. And I made sure that it was OK to, like, do some new production for it, that I wasn't just you know, note for note covering it. Mm-hmm. So I built like new breakdowns and bridges and an intro in and stuff. And, uh, I, I used some Dalsam quotes. You'll go fire. Yeah, that's the one. You'll go flame. <laughs> so then, uh, going, going on from that, I know, uh, it, I mean, it may be out by the time this show is released, but I know that you guys are, are sort of working on a, a mortal Kombat one. Yes. Synthality. Yeah, so that's exciting. I'm a big Mortal Kombat fan. I am too. I put many quarters in those machines back in my youth. <laughs> my son just is like Mortal Kombat's his favorite movie all of a sudden as of last week. Because <laughs> it's on Netflix, so he's been watching it. It's one of my guilty pleasures. Like, I do enjoy that movie. So it's funny now because I want to show him the game, but I can't. No, show him the uh, Super Nintendo version. No blood, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, I don't have that one on hand, but I do uh-huh. have, like, the arcade collection. And, pre- mm-hmm. I mean, part one, it's it's crazy what passes now is, like, horrible gore. <laughs> yeah. Because the new Mortal Kombat games are, like, they're borderline offensive, like, yeah, <laughs> because I, it just looks so real. I saw some renders of, like, the new Fatality stuff, and I was like, too far, man. Too far. Yeah, it's not as fun. For me, like, I love Mortal Kombat, but I love the silliness of it. It's colorful and silly, and uh, and it had a sort of a level of violence that was like um, like a Monty Python film. Mm-hmm. Like, that there's no, there's no gravity or physics that makes sense. Like, Johnny Cage can just put his hands on your hips and then just take your torso off. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't make sense why your legs wouldn't just come up, too, or how Jax can... <laughs> How Jax can pull your arms off without just yanking you to the ground, <laughs> like yeah. it's. But uh, that's what I. That was like you know part of the fun of it. Um, so what what track are you going to be? Uh, the courtyard, and I took the courtyard from uh, the first Mortal Kombat. Are they doing the whole trilogy? Like is yeah. So there'll be different versions of tracks. Uh, well, it's only one version of each song, but people have chosen different Mortal Kombat versions as like their source to work off of. Right. Um, so I went with uh, Mortal Kombat 1 for my courtyard because that song continues to future versions, but I like the original the best because, again, when I was a kid, that's what I was playing probably the most. Yeah. So that's the most ingrained in my psyche. Yeah, I think my favorite uh, from the, th- the three games was uh the tower for mortal kombat 2 mm-hmm. it's the one with the clouds 
And then uh, that one's great. Spot um, on. The yep, thank you. The <laughs> I should be on this album. I'll do an a cappella. And uh, from <laughs> Mortal Kombat Three, uh, the subway. Yeah, was a cool track. I think Cosmo Cocktails doing that. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that's who's on that one. That's the one thing that's bothered me because I've enjoyed the the new Mortal Kombat games. But I found after part three, I I haven't been a huge fan of the music okay. in the last ones. Like, they haven't been as catchy. Like, I just find that the old game had sort of catchier tunes. And the newer ones were just... they you, you, Like, remember, like, Killer Instinct came out. It had, like, these big, fat songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, these sort of trancy, like, electronic tracks with big beats and stuff. And to me, that's what I wanted the sort of the direction of the Mortal Kombat music to be, like kind of big music. And uh, big big as in, you know, just like big heavy percussion, like something that really dry. I mean, like the movie, right? Like right. have like yeah. tech, techno songs. And then they sort of went in more of the atmospheric, uh, you know, like Eastern sort of sounding things, but they didn't really have a lot of punch to them. You know, to me, the classic Mortal Kombat music is still the stuff from the first three games because I don't even think I could sing a song from like the the newer ones it's all just air oh yeah part three had some epic ones too like with like choirs and stuff like that i mean synth choirs but you know (laughs) at the time it was still pretty awesome who's your favorite guy man back in the day in the arcade when the first one was still out sub-zero was my guy every now and then i'd go Liu kang but i don't know i liked freezing someone and then uppercutting them classic yeah, that game was a pain in the ass. <laughs> I remember, like on the on the Super Nintendo, just how cheap fucking Shang Tsung was. Mm-hmm. And Goro, when you finally figured out you could do that thing where you just had to, like jump backwards, then forwards, and drop kick him, then jump backwards and forwards and drop kick him, like he was easy to dispense. But then so, fucking Shang Tsung was just the cheapest piece of shit. Well, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Shao Kahn was fucking super fucking cheap, and so was Kintaro from fucking Part Two. Like Mortal Kombat has the cheapest fucking ai of like any game ever made (laughs) like because it just felt like their ai wasn't it wasn't like you were playing against a person you're just playing against like a fortune teller who just knew what you were about to type in (laughs) so like literally like you can't even land scorpion spear in mortal kombat 2 against the computer yeah like it never lands like they always block it even if they're in midair they can somehow like block the the second they're they they touch the ground just so the spear doesn't hit there's them. no get over here no it's completely dissatisfying plus the computer actually had abilities you didn't have as a person because you wouldn't be allowed to like throw two of katana's fans at the same time but the computer could do it so they could just keep mashing, like, fucking shooting fans at you. But as a player, you actually couldn't do that. There was a delay before you could throw another one. Maybe it's like Tron, you know? They had better people running around inside. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's definitely stacked against you because the <laughs> bosses were... The way Mortal Kombat works and the way I've always loved about it is it's like you beat the bosses when they want you to. And that's sort of the way <laughs> you progress through that game. Like, you can fight Motaro all you want, but it's like you will only win when the computer decides... They're going to make him easy this round so that you can beat him. Because otherwise, like, the bosses could always just reflect any magical abilities. They could block anything. Yeah, (laughs) I I wonder if there is any, like, rhyme or reason for why one time they're easier than another time. Honestly, if I could ever talk to fucking Ed Boon, I would get him to admit that the AI just... I think there's something in the code that just says, once you've died 
you know, like 12 times fighting a character, <laughs> then they'll just, you, they'll just be easy. You get the mercy threshold. Well, did you see the, um, Midway did a Kickstarter for like the history of Midway? I, I'm super excited to see the documentary. I don't know that I pledged it, but that's one of those things. Like when I, man, all those games, I played WrestleMania, mm-hmm. the Mortal Kombat games, the, was it Smash TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really intrigued to hear like the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, no, Midway was huge. Do they even exist anymore? No, I think they folded in the somewhere in the early 2000s. I know in the uh, the new Lego game I bought, one of the the packs that you can buy is Midway Classic Arcade. Mm-hmm. And so it's like Lego versions and like I'm playing right now like Gauntlet and stuff. But like Legoized version of that, but that's like classic Midway. Oh, they had NBA Jam too, which was oh, yeah, man. phenomenal. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. I know. I was never a sports fan. NBA Jam was the only sports game I ever was entertained by. Oh, I l- oh man, so many quarters at the mall arcade on that thing because you could play four <laughs> people in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember I would print out cheat codes. I had Prodigy back then. Do you remember Prodigy? Was that? Did you have that in Canada? You mean, uh, I'm not Svetsa, I'm not Svetsa, no, not the Firestarter. I mean, okay. like, the precursor to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it was like America Online's, but prior to that, it was called Prodigy, and it was a dial-up modem service, and they had bulletin oh, boards. Oh, yeah. oh, um, um, I'm your Firestarter, Twisted Firestarter. I think you're thinking about the movie Hackers. <laughs> Anyway, you had shitty internet. Go on. <laughs> and there were other video game nerds talking about all this shit on there. And I'd print out, like, the codes. And they worked in the arcade. Like, you could do the codes to get, like, big heads. Or, you know, you could play as Bill Clinton. Or, yeah, I remember that one. And, yeah, that was super fun. And you could play four people simultaneously in the arcade, you know. And that was a ton of fun. Yeah, I remember the first one of those four-player ones I played when I was super young was The Simpsons. Ah, yeah. I remember that was a big deal when that came out. And the Ninja Turtle games as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, those were fun. Do you remember Sega had, like, a hologram game? Do you remember that? No. Oh, man, it was amazing. It was like, they put it next to the Dragon's Lair machine because both of them are only, like, you're only kind of playing a game. Most of it's video. Right. But, um, yeah, it was, like, this white table-ish looking thing and a hologram came up out of the table and you know kind of like guided you and it was a sega game this was i don't know maybe like 92 or so and i was like yo the future's gonna be amazing yeah (laughs) hologram video games and then like nothing and then like hologram tupac was like the most exciting thing (laughs) well man We've been uh, we've been talking for a while, so we're probably going to wrap this up. But before we go, why don't you set up uh, the uh, another track I want to talk about on that album? The actual the the titular, sincerely yours, which was the I think the last track on the album. So why don't you uh, tell me a bit about that, and then uh, and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye, and then we'll uh, we'll play it. Well, thanks for having me on. By the way, no problem. Sincerely yours, uh, the track was kind of like my sign off for the album, and. At the end of it, you know, I wanted it to be something a little darker and, you know, still have like an arp in it. You know, I I love arpeggios and that track for me was more about mood and feel than anything that completely dictated what I did. 
I, I was really happy with the airiness to it, but it's still punchy, you know, and the kick cuts through the mix. I don't know. I like it. You should, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're, uh, we'll sign off then, so it was good talking to you. Likewise. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, dude. And uh, if you ever got uh, new stuff coming out or whatever, feel free to come back on the show. I hope to have something out by uh, before the holidays this year. I'm going to do like a compilation of tracks that I submitted to compilations and also like some remixes I've done lately. I've done a bunch of remixes for different artists uh, and then a few new original tracks just so you're not getting shit you've already maybe heard somewhere else. Awesome, dude. Well, maybe when that uh, comes out, we'll have you uh, back on. Oh, I would love that. Thank you. All right, man. Well, you have a lovely day. And now here is uh, Sincerely Yours by Von Herzog. Von Herzog, he's a cool guy, uh, sort of a serious kind of chat there. I think that's nice where I, I, I'm having you on the show to sort of uh, <laughs> to balance out because we uh, we touched on some some kind of serious things and uh, points. So it's good to lighten the mood a bit because uh, as the old saying goes, uh, l- lighten that mood, Marco. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, I was trying to figure out what saying is he talking about. You know, you know oh. that old saying. <laughs> it's a, popularized by the bard. <laughs> I thought you were waiting for me. I was like, oh, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> now, Von Hutzig's a cool guy. I was actually lucky enough to meet him when I was in New York. I met him before I knew his music. So I was kind of like, you know, when you, I don't know, you meet people and you sort of go, fuck, I hope his music's good. Because <laughs> they'll talk to you about it, and you're like, "Well, I, you know, I don't think it actually released anything at that point. Not not synthwave wise. Anyway, he was had an album coming out. I was talking about. I was like, now that I met him, I really hope it's good because it's going to be awkward otherwise. <laughs> and um, it really, it really was. So that's, <laughs> I was really happy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he's good. I even maybe got in, he got in contact on Twitter before he was sort of doing that stuff too. Like he heard the show, and then then a few weeks. I mean, that happens sometimes. Where I'll get people who listen to the podcast and say, "Oh, cool show," and then a few weeks later, they send me a track. Yeah, but that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Not send you a message and say straight away. They go, "Oh, dude, love your show. Awesome," you know. And then. And obviously they've just discovered it or somebody told them about it and then immediately they send you a track. You know, it's like you're trying to blow spoke up my ass Mm -hmm. and then immediately you send me a track to play on your show. It's it's kind of, I don't know. And that's the funny thing too because at least you play, well, I mean, now that that, uh, Beyond Synth, Beyond Synth on Power 85, 8 p.m. Eastern is is on Power 85 and so we play a lot more music than we used to. I'm saying we, it's me. But before, (laughs) when it was just strictly an interview show, I got those emails and messages too. And so then it was even clearer to me that they didn't know what the show was. Yeah. Like at least you, you would play, you played music and you've always played lots of music. So when I would get those emails like, hey man, you want to play this song on your show? I'm like, I don't play songs, dude. Well, it's, it's, a, it's an interview show. Like I don't play yeah. music. Now I do. So now I don't have an excuse. Oh, cool. And I, I can actually steal songs from your playlist too now. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine your library is larger. I imagine Steve has a giant one too. Library. We're talking about libraries here. (laughs) That guy's got a huge hog. No, um, yeah, he's uh, he's got a good uh, sound library and uh, got a massive library. So I hear, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to make terrible sex jokes. I've been been in this studio, so I've seen how big his library is. It's pretty big. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's got a big gun as well. (laughs) (laughs) He does. That's fucking oh. That was the funniest shit. I'm in his studio and I mean, we're getting drunk and everything's going well. I guess I'll be back in a minute, you know, and I'm busy typing away in the chat. Next thing comes in with this massive gun. I don't even know what it is, like some fucking M16 or some shit or the equivalent to the M16. And it's like, whoa, dude, dude, you know, take it easy. No, it's cool. I got to hold it and everything. And <laughs> yes, he is uh, very American. Yeah. And everyone's giving me shit. Oh, you should have, you got to, because you got this, it's, you know, you got to clear the chain, but you got to do all this shit before you're actually supposed to put the gun in your own mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't fucking know. I've never held a gun in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have really either. I mean, I have friends who have gun owners and are hunters and stuff like that, but I've never fired a real gun. I'm told it's fun and empowering. I like playing video games where I shoot guns, but uh, I, I haven't. I've never really had an interest in. Um, hold on here. For some reason, Joseph Wood from Lucasette is calling me. Yeah, man. Uh, how are you phoning me right now? What is this? I'm driving home from work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right now. I'm uh, I'm recording the show with uh, awesome. and and Marco Marco's on. Hello, Marco. 
Hey, how you going, Joseph? Ah, open up, crash. Well, yeah, you're not supposed to talk on the phone if you're in a car, man. No, you can't have it to your ear. You're going from a Bluetooth. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So what's up? Uh, did you want to record later? Is that what you're calling about? I was going to probably say something more like, I'll record tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm sort of doing it now, ah. The, the quality's terrible, so I'm not going to keep you on the line for much longer, but... <laughs> It's, <laughs> it's nice to hear from you, man. I was, I was hoping you were going to switch the video on so you could see, my, see the wonderful autumn leaves. Oh, we have autumn leaves here, man. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> I've, I've, I've driven past them all now, anyway. How about this? So you want to you wanna, uh, do it tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not very good at doing two things at once, I've realized. This is the final conversation of Joe Wood. Yeah, yeah, like I'm navigating speed bumps and uh, all that. Well, listen, I'll let you yeah. go. Thank you. Hey, it's nice to meet you, Joe. Nice to meet you, man. I love your music, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. I don't feel like I can speak as like a because they're not all here. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, you have a, <laughs> you have a lovely day, and I'll, I will talk to you in an upcoming episode. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, that was Joe Wood from Lucaset. Uh, he's going to co-host with me in an upcoming episode, and we will uh, maintain the illusion that that is weeks after this, <laughs> and that I'm not going to record with him tomorrow and air the show two months later. Um, listen, let's listen to a song. Uh, this is a track by Robots with Ray Guns. Off the album Fresh As It Gets, this is a track called Unicorn, featuring Ghost House. It doesn't matter what you got. It's what you've got going on. It doesn't matter how much you pay. It's how long you keep it going strong. It doesn't matter what you got. It doesn't matter what you got. 
was robots with ray guns with the track unicorn featuring ghost house i said that pretty much exactly the same way as i said it going into the track that's a fun one (laughs) i don't think i've heard that one yet you just did (laughs) 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 oh dear (laughs) so man you having a you having a lovely day um let's uh, (laughs) This is, the, this is the part of the show where uh, my brain fizzles out. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm just trying to figure out what else to talk. We've really talked a lot. I don't know what else to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a sip of water here. Have you ever... Because um, you, and, you and Rick, you live on opposite sides of the continent, right? That's right. So have you ever actually like hung out with him or... No, but it's funny you say that. Uh, This wasn't set up, by the way, either, it sounds like it. But um, (laughs) I'm actually going to go see him uh, in a couple of weeks, two and a half weeks, I think. Um, There's a synth meetup in Melbourne at Laser Highway in Collingwood. And Jordan Jordan F's headlining it. Uh, He's doing a live performance. I'm DJing there myself, and there'll be a couple other people. Uh, And everybody's – we've got a big crew meeting up. And I'm going to – the day before, I'm getting there, and I'm going to go drive down to Rick's, stay at his place – uh, just shoot the shit, play some games, whatever. Um, and then we're going to drive up to Melbourne. He lives about an hour out of Melbourne. 
Okay. And we'll drive out of Melbourne. I've got a, I'm renting a convertible. So Rick's going to be in charge of the music and we're just going to be driving around. I don't know, just cruising. It's going to be fun. Just picking up chicks. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'll probably, probably be running, you know, but. <laughs> oh, what the fuck was that? Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> sorry, I lost my train of Get thought. Get into my car. That, yes, no, no, yes. That was yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Don't make me sing. I, I got to stop. Yeah. Hey, doesn't it go like you? No, is that a different song? <laughs> no, you got to be more rough. You, yeah, get into my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if anybody wants dating advice, this is a thing that uh, women love this. Drive Good past way. them in your car, roll the window down, all right, so they're walking down the street, and go like, eh, baby, eh, fucking sex. The chicks love that stuff, all right? <laughs> It's really, it's really empowering, and it uh, makes you feel good as a guy just to know that someone was listening. <laughs> and uh, it's really important stuff. I think, it, I think it only works if you're Billy Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried it, and it didn't work for me. <laughs> just, just pretend to be Billy Ocean. You can pull it off, right? Can I ask you one question? Yes, before, go ahead. Before you get rid of me. Uh, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I'll ask you anyway. <laughs> how big's your dick? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've already been through how big a library is, all right. Um, uh, if you had anybody that you wanted to interview, like a dream interview, is, there, is I mean, I'm sure you've had time to think about this, but if there's anybody in the world that you could interview, who would it be? Does it have to be music-related? doesn't have to be music-related, no. Okay, well, I'm going to go super nerdy here, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say Tom Baker the actor who played the fourth Doctor in Doctor Who. Hmm. He's an old man now. He's very eccentric. Uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and he's the one, he's the classic one, like the one with the curly hair and the scarf. Yeah. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would do that. Um, let's see. That that answer is going to disappoint people, so let's think of this. <laughs> That's personal. Because <laughs> like, I, I would, I would want to talk to people who are involved in, you know, my favorite things from, you know, like my childhood and stuff. Yeah, fair enough. So I could, I could basically say like anybody who worked on Doctor Who, I would be, like like to talk to. In fact, I, I was thinking about reaching out to as well because, um, uh, like the music in Doctor Who mm. was very sort of like cutting edge, strange electronic music, um at the time and even like in the 80s and stuff some of the scores were even like had you know they're like tangerine dreamy and stuff like there there's a really cool 80s scores and i've i've been thinking about trying to locate some of the people who were involved in that that would be cool um because because i don't necessarily think they would be like like huge with like crazy egos or whatever and they might be willing to to talk about it and like the radiophonic workshop and stuff and that would that would connect more with this show that's cool that would be really cool because I could get my Doctor Who nerd on, and at the same time the synth thing, because they, they do merge. Yeah, and well, well, it's it's a, it's a technically eighties, or was it seventy? I think it was eighties, wasn't it? Um, well, it's um, the elect. Well, see, because Doctor Who's always had experimental electronic music mm-hmm. since like the six. I mean, like the original Doctor Who theme was. Uh, You'll, you'll always see whenever people post those like the or the dawn of synth music stuff. Yeah, they'll always show the the lady uh, Delia Derbyshire who um, who she didn't compose the Doctor Who theme, but she arranged it. Mm-hmm. And it was like very early uh, electronic synth music where it's like reel to reel, and it's like each note is uh, you know on a loop and stuff. And um, but in the eighties, it was full on like electronic music, and uh, for the score. Mm-hmm. And um, some of it was actually really good. Some of it was really cheap sounding, but some of it was 
was actually really cool and yeah. uh and experimental and, and weird and stuff like that and yeah so yeah that would work in the 70s it was like a mix of electronic and weird it was like the same dude who did the music for that show for like 10 years but that's that's a cool thing i'd love to have people on my show from the actual 80s or the 70s you know like just just a different uh viewpoint on things and it just, I don't know, I think it's cool getting people on the show that aren't necessarily musicians either. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I get graphic designers on the show that pr- produce 80s stuff. Um, just anything, you know, like I've had a game developer, I've had all sorts of shit. And I think it just makes it more interesting. It breaks things up. I mean, if you just keep interviewing musicians, it gets a bit repetitive, you know? Well, that's the thing. Like, I've I've reached out, yeah, I've, I've reached out to uh, game people too because cause it's such a big part of... I think the synthwave scene is just that mm. the inspiration from TV, movies, and games and stuff. And so there are some game developers who I've talked to. Who I've just said like I will have on the show yeah. at some point, just because it's it's just so much a part of of the of the scene. Yeah, totally. Did you ask me that question because you had an, your answer? You had your own answer? No, I just told you what I said. No, not really. No, I don't know. Now that you've what, now that you're talking about Doctor Who and shit, now you've. <laughs> I really don't have. I don't have an answer. I could probably have about fifty answers. So no, I, I really don't. Well, because I, I guess if it's like a dream thing, if it's like music yeah. from the scene, you know, I mean, it's pretty much just like the the big artists. You know, like everyone knows who they are. They tell me to have them on the show all the time, <laughs> like it's like they want to. You know, like just Laserhawk. I get people telling me about Laserhawk all the fucking. Yeah, like when they tell me about Laserhawk, like I don't know who that is. That's my favorite. <laughs> like, yeah. Have you ever heard Laserhawk? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laserhawk does not want to do my show. For the record, okay, we do. We have a friendly relationship. Uh, he sends me stuff to check out. We chat, uh, but he just doesn't want to do it. But I'm going to keep trying. One of these days, you'll get him first. You, you. No, I think you'll get him first. I think that one you'll get first. <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> of um, other artists that are cool, uh, let's listen to a track by Celerect LA Dreams. This is uh, one of my favorite tracks of his. It's called '84 Crush. Nice. I love this one.
<laughs> I can't sing it, but that was uh, that was Celeract L.A. Dreams, uh, 84 Crush, man. It's a cool song. I'm still here with Marco Merrick. We're winding the show down. We had a lovely chat with uh, Von Herzog earlier. By we, I mean me and Von Herzog. Marco was not there, but Marco was here. It's neither here nor there. That's Yeah, it's life in Australia, man. You've got nice beach views. I see you posting pictures of the beach. Oh, we have beautiful beaches here, that's for sure. I don't spend enough time swimming, but anyway. <laughs> Earlier on, you were uh, you were about to ask me about video game stuff. Have you do you play much? Yeah, I was going to ask you because I don't play that much, and uh, so ever since honestly, ever since I started doing the show, a lot of things have kind of fallen apart for me. But um, uh, no, no I, I started playing with with some friends over in the states. That's why I was asking you. We're, we're, we're um sort of playing online together and shit. It's really quite fun. So what's, what's had, your? Uh, are you a console or computer guy? Ah, uh, computer. I used to be console all the time. Depends what sort of games. Uh, I like strategy games sometimes. Kind of like uh, real time and turn based, you know, like civilizations. I've been into most of them over the years, as epic uh, as they are. But um, you know, stuff like StarCraft and all that sort of shit. But uh, as far as you know, Diablo as well, that kind of stuff. That's more RPG. But consoles, I've, I've more probably more into consoles. All sorts of games. I don't know, third person shooters, some first first person shooters as well. Is that what you're playing now? No, I really haven't been playing much at the moment. I've been playing um, a game called Depth on Skype with uh, with a few of the guys in the scene. That's been quite fun. What's it called? Depth. Like depth, it's, like uh, underwater? Yeah, it's like a shark game. You can either go shark or a diver. <laughs> it's pretty freaky, man. <laughs> it's, re- it's pretty brutal, yeah. So some some people go, sh- you know, like you get, depends how many people play per game, but you might get a couple of sharks and four divers. And the object is to to kill the other, you know, the sharks more than, well, whatever team you're on, to kill the other team more. So it gets it's pretty freaky because you're like in the deep water and you're in a <laughs> you're in an old ship, you know, sunken ship, and the sharks are breaking through the walls. It's fucking freaky. <laughs> pretty cool. You should check it out. Well, I don't know, because when this show airs, there might be a big game out that I will be playing. Uh, what's that? Uh, well, that'll be Star Wars. That looked really fucking good, dude. That looks really fucking good. Well, I really enjoyed the beta, but by the time this show airs, the game will be out. And so we can't really talk about it. I know, so, that's weird, so, that shit. I know, mm. so I don't want to like be like, yeah, the game's great, because what if I like buy it and it sucks, and then I, I, you know, I'm all disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I will say I really enjoyed the beta. It was fun, and it looked good, and it sounded like star wars and it looked like star wars and so it really um it really was fun to play but i will reserve my judgment until i actually have the game which ironically i probably have at this very moment but do not have at this very moment oh wow sorry i don't mean to interrupt i just i get i got add i get, I get distracted very easily but highway superstar has got a new oh did you see uh, it video yeah i'm just it's just it's just been uploaded like literally now i'm watching it i've got the volume down but i'm watching it <laughs> he, uh, he sent me the link yesterday and it uh, uh, of course you get it early of course <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, thanks for telling everybody that too <laughs> yeah like, <clears throat> it makes me sound special like i'm in on something yeah, yeah. uh but uh, no the production values are are like like listen to it with the volume on it's it's really well produced like it's it's uh yeah. Ooh, I don't want to say that like a su- surprisingly well produced, but it's like it's like a it's really it sounds really nice. 
I'm blown away by the video quality. You obviously got someone professional to do the video. I mean, this is I've seen I've seen some videos in the scene. I mean, people don't have money in the scene. You can't expect high production, but this looks really, really good. Yeah, no, the production's great. Wow, very impressed. And he's there, man. What do you mean he's there? He's in it. <laughs> Who else would be in it? Well, because he died, like he hasn't sung before, unlike one of no. his tracks, but he's like singing. Yeah, that's so cool. I was I was hoping to do a bit more singing. That's great. Anyways, man, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, wrap up this show. It's yeah, been, all right, let's do it. It's been fun. <laughs> it's been fun having you on. Thank you for having me on the show. People can listen to uh, to Synthetic Sundays on Sundays, uh, Radio Pure Gently. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry, that's just funny. Um, yeah, and uh, I'll be moving to the states next year, so I'll have to drive up and uh, I'll have to drive up and give you a visit. You're not too far from New York State, are you? I believe. Well, where? Uh, why are you moving? Oh, to uh, be with? Why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be with your fiance. My fiance. That's right. Yeah. Where does she, I can cut this out? But where does she live? Uh, near Ithaca. I don't really give a shit. Near Ithaca and. Ithaca, New York, which is probably about three hours' drive from the Canadian border, I think, roughly. Okay, let's go to Google Maps here. Well, here, how about you do this? <laughs> I forget how to do directions. Like, can you literally just do directions? Like, just say this city to that city? Yeah, Ithaca to... Yeah, okay, hang on. Let me... I'll, I'll, I can send you the link to Ithaca to Toronto. That's all you should have to Google, usually. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck? That's not Toronto, is it? No, I just... Oh, I no. typed it in and it gave me the directions to the Ithaca restaurant, which oh my is God. 39 minutes from Toronto. <laughs> it's ah, stupid. I, it's actually not that far. I thought it would be further. It's four hours and 26 minutes. Really? Hang on. It's Toronto, Ontario. Is yes, that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's only four hours and 26 minutes, dude. How many kilometers? That's what I thought. It's really close. 246 miles, it says. Here, I'll send you the link. Where do you want it? On Facebook, Skype? Skype. Skype, okay, here we go. Okay, cool. All right, well then, uh, when you move to uh, to be with your fiancé... Yeah, see, so it's not that far. That's what I mean. I was thinking about coming to see you last time, but then I, I didn't anyway, but... Well, whatever. It's uh... so You're really close to fucking uh, <clears throat> Buffalo in that Dude, well. I am close to fucking. <laughs> I am this close to fucking uh, right now. Nice, I better let you go then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, something to look forward to. Yeah, I'll definitely come and visit you, man. That's that's. I mean, that'd be just be wrong if I didn't. You're so fucking close. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be rude. It actually, I'd feel rude. I'd be like, fuck. Anyway, whatever. Well, <laughs> I don't know how it is. I I have friends who live five minutes from my house, and I don't see them. So, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're gonna close with a track, and uh, it was uh, nice to talk with you today, Marco. And we're gonna leave off with. A track by Stellar Dreams, which I dig off their Audio Love EP. And this is... Oh, I'm playing a lot of titular songs today because (laughs) this is the titular Audio Love track from the album Audio Love, for the EP Audio Love. And this is uh, Stellar Dreams. So we'll end with that. Marco, it was nice to uh, catch up with you. Thank you you for having me on the show. It was a pleasure chatting with you, Andy. And, uh, And also thanks to Von Herzog as well, who I chatted with. And that's all I know, man. This is going to be a long fucking episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, dude. That was cool. Wasn't expecting that.
I was supposed to be editing interviews, but that's all right. I got, I got tomorrow night. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> Just don't call me tomorrow night now. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, you have a, you have a lovely day, and uh, let's listen to some Stellar Dreams. All right. See ya.